Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by Tuit and Peter to discuss the topic of the journey from employer to founder. Hi, everyone. This is Chris Bennett here, the Knowledge Managing Director here at Evolution. We're committed to doing recruitment in a different way that adds value to both our clients and candidates by providing you with amazing speakers and leading edge discussions on what's going on in the tech scene at the moment. There are three reasons why you should contact me. If you would like to speak on a future podcast, if you are interested in hiring awesome tech data product or gaming freelancers for your business, or if you are looking for an exciting new organization to work with, please get in touch. Thank you so much for listening, and I really hope to hear from you soon. Please enjoy the rest of the podcast. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. Tua, we're going to come to you first. Thanks, Sam. Well, uh, my name is Tua. I live in Copenhagen, Denmark, together with my girlfriend and my two children. I got a small girl like six months ago, uh, and she's growing as uh, expected, uh, and it's very lovely. Um, I started my company like 10 years ago. I have always been self-employed, have a background from the IT university in Copenhagen in e-business, where I did my master's. Um, I work together with my uh, little brother, Jacob, uh, and my name is Tuve, and our last name is Oxenlet, hence the name uh, JTUX. So that makes sense. Um, I work with uh, small and big clients in uh, Denmark primarily. Uh, and I'd love to uh, discuss the topic journey from employer uh, together with you guys. Love that. And I'm glad to have you back on to it. For the avid listeners, they will know that the last time you were on, uh, you were just expecting uh, your six-month-year-old. So I'm very glad to hear she's doing well. Yeah. Um, my pleasure. Uh, Peter, over to you next, my friend. Hello. Uh, well, I'm Peter. I'm pleasure to be here. And... Um, I come from more of a corporate background. Uh, I got hired by Trustpilot when I turned uh, 17, uh, before that having worked at uh, various startups. Um, after that, I, I spent some time at IBM. And uh, about a year ago, I decided to quit and just uh, take a header straight into being a founder. I didn't have any idea, not really much thought in what I'm going to do. Um, Iterated on some business ideas, and then in March, I successfully raised a pre-seed round um, from Anchor with my uh, amazing co-founder Oscar. And uh, since then, we made a subscribe. We are creating um, a required by law journal generator for physical therapists, and we are currently in four clinics. These four clinics have about 120, 130 physiotherapists across the UK and Denmark. And I also live in Denmark, Copenhagen. Such a small world. Love that. And Peter, really glad to have you on. I suppose now that we've got a topic around each of you and you've done some things, let's delve deeper into the topic that we have today. The journey from employer or employee, should I say, to founder. Each of you have your own questions. And as usual, we'll go around the room and you can pose your questions, the reasons behind it. And you'll each have an opportunity to have your take on the situations we were supposed to have a, another uh, guest here today, Damien, uh, who couldn't be with us, but we will include his question. Um, but to, I believe we're coming to your question first. Uh, yeah, you wanted to, I'll pass it over to you. Thanks, Sam. Uh, well, I'm quite, quite keen on uh, the whole uh, work-life balance 
notion uh, because I've experienced kind of uh, both sides. Uh, I've also been in the corporate world. Uh, so my question is, how do you keep a sound work-life balance when moving from employee to founder? Uh, which priorities are important to you and which personal values are driving your motivation? Um, so that's kind of my starting point. I have some more content, but I would love to to hear uh, your thoughts on that, Peter. Um, thanks for the question. So to cut it short and answer it as concisely as possible, I would say you don't, or at least I don't. If there's a slider, I either put 100% in something or I don't put much effort in it. As such, being a founder, I had a long talk with my girlfriend, my friends, and then kind of decided to shut the door on me uh, and only focus on customers, not, you know, uh, and ideas and potential business partners and not to make any new friends. I uh, practically, I didn't leave my house for any other reason than to build a business over the last year or so. So uh, that is my answer. Though having been uh, part of this for almost a year, I can feel myself shaking quite sometimes where I just need, need to spend a lot more time on, on life. Uh, almost uh, feeling the start of the burnout. So um, how do you manage to keep something uh, of a work-life balance uh, having uh, been at it for, for quite some years? Well, thanks, Peter. Uh, you remind me of myself when I was uh, 22. <laughs> like uh, the the idea that you're supposed to be a superman or superwoman to, uh, to let your dreams come true. I think uh, it will come with time to learn your own boundaries um, and you'll kind of see and learn the hard way that your health, your mental health and your families and friends are way more important than your dreams. Um, I've always had a dream uh, when when I was supposed to have children. I don't know if you were there yet, Peter, but... but um, not quite. Not quite, okay. Uh, my dream was when when I was having children, I was supposed to be uh, self-employed uh, or studying uh, because that would give me time to be with my loved ones uh, when they were little babies. Um, my biggest uh, son, my biggest uh, child is uh, 10 years old, so he's, you know, self-evolving right now. <laughs> uh, uh, and that's that. That's everything is as supposed. It, it everything is as it should be with him. But now I got this little girl. She's uh, not even a year old, and I think it's uh, wonderful that I'm self-employed because I can hand her over uh, when I want to the institutions. I can uh, come home early from work and then work uh, in the evening instead. Uh, but I like to keep a sound uh, work-life balance by respecting little si si signals from my body and mind. So you're talking about shaking. That's not a good sign. Um, and I learned the hard way uh, how to handle these things. I got a nervous breakdown when I was uh, 20 years old. I thought of Superman. I wasn't. I don't think any of, of us are Superman. <laughs> But um, it taught me that I, got, I can recognize these signals very early. Yeah. And when I can recognize them, I can do something about them. Yeah. So, you know, trying to identify problems that I could actually solve instead of focusing on everything is a good, uh, is a good way to start. Uh, and also a willingness to make and learn from your mistakes. Uh, that's also a, 
a good thing, as I, th I think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think we are much uh, on the same trail here, uh, or at least trail of thought. And um, I, I would love to be in your position 15 years from now. Right now, I'm, I'm kind of taking this on the kind of conscious and deliberate decision that I made to sacrifice my present for the future mm -hmm. and try to work weekends in order for me in 10, 15 years to really focus on those I love and um, so that you know, if right now I take a, a vacation, um, I'm the CTO, what happens with the software? Well, I have one intern, but you're not going to solve any big major problems. So everything just shuts down. But I hope in maybe five years uh, that isn't the case. And when I take a small break or vacation or I want to head home early, um, then I would be able to do it without any uh, major uh, dilute or major diversion from business as usual. Yeah. I recognize that uh, totally. I had uh, the same uh, same way of living my life when I was in the, in my early twenties, and maybe it is as it should be in that period of your life. Um, but I definitely think when you get children, uh, hopefully hopefully you will do sometimes. Uh, I think uh, things will change because then you've got something in your life that is bigger than yourself. Um, so maybe that's the. Uh, Maybe that's the the kind of trade-off. Yeah, I, I see. I see. Uh, I see your point, and how, and I cannot disagree with it. No. I'd like to interject though. I know we, we're, with the today's topic, looking at from I suppose employee the journey to the founder, with the work-life balance being so good in Denmark, is this then a reason for for people to move into to founder? Are there many other reasons as we'll come on to? Uh, do you think it plays a big part or? Did it for you and your experience? Uh, no, it was actually because I wanted uh, to be my own boss. I wanted to. I, what 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 drives my motivation is actually time. What is time? Time is what we make it to be. Uh, you can spend your whole life working for other people and make great products, and uh, uh, you can do uh, what you want to do. Uh, but I think that that I want to spend my time, uh, I want to spend time that makes meaning for me personally, of course, it's subjective. Uh, so I think it's, uh, we only got uh, so and so much time on earth and I want to make the most of it. And that also, that's also what drives me to, to be working late hours and, and I've been uh, a night owl for, for the, the better part, part of my life. So, so I recognize your position, Peter. Uh, I've done exactly the same. I just think that that we should be more aware of you know stress uh, symptoms uh, because it can really ruin your your life for a long period. Um, uh, but you have to sacrifice something, and I think that's a good thing to be aware of. That that going from employee to founder, you will sacrifice a lot. Uh, as you were telling Peter, you shut the door and. Loneliness could could sneak up on you, but uh, most of the time we are uh, head deep in in some problem we have to solve with software or or, or the product that we're trying to to develop. Right? Uh, I you just um, said everything that was on the tip of my mouth, so the tip of my tongue, pardon me. <laughs> um, and yeah, um, supposed to answer answer your questions. Um, I think there are many reasons to to go to a found to, to go and be a founder. Um, one of the main reasons I would see is, uh, I, 
is what Tua said, being your own boss. However, I think that that mentality is, is phrased a bit, um, perhaps a bit imprecisely, at least in my liking. I, I would love, love more to say that, um, that for me, at least, I, I was a bit rebellious and I, I didn't want to be my own boss. I wanted to make my own rules. Or I, I don't know how how uh, much of a uh, how much of a difference there is, but but that's basically what I thought. And making your own rules, something like traveling. Heck, I, I'm right now in somewhere south of Lancaster. Uh, it's lovely weather. Uh, sun is shining, and it's so nice to be in a different environment than locked in a room in Copenhagen. <laughs> and here, I feel that I can be more productive. I can enjoy my time. Um, this at a regular job. Uh, even if it's remote, I hardly see working, uh, especially now uh, the economic times being what they are and uh, developers being uh, uh, a tad bit cut back in terms of uh, employment benefits. I feel as if, um, um, you know, yeah, it, you can make your future and by making your own rules, you can kind of divert your future and you can shape it as you want it. It's uh, really for me a, a question of options if you're an employee. You don't have much options if you're a founder and an entrepreneur. Uh, you have uh, you have just a vastity of uh, options you can choose from. Yeah, makes per- perfect sense, Peter. I'm glad you agreed, though. I, I was wishing I, I could learn some. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, stubbornness can bring you uh, a, a far ahead of your com- competitors, and and being stubborn is uh, is a good thing to. I think it's a good capability. And it can really get you far, uh, as long as you you remember yourself uh, on the way. Uh, I think it's uh, it's a perfect way to do uh, to do to, to to found a company. Um, of course, uh, your your co partner Oscar has to has to agree upon that, and that could yeah that could maybe be uh, be uh, tedious. But uh, it sounds like you you have a good uh, understanding of of how to do things. Uh, but correct me if I'm wrong. But but you know. Being a partner, I have my brother, and we have to agree upon everything as well, you know. So, yeah, yeah. Press as well, and it's 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 been amazing. Uh, of course, and everyone and everywhere, uh, people have their differences, but I think it's more most important in a business partner to uh, have a method of uh, sorting out the questions as opposed to uh, agreeing on everything at the start. Yeah, I think that's a great point to finish on as well. There, so Tua, thank thank you for a great question there, my friend. I think what we'd like to do next is go straight to Peter's question uh, and we'll save Damien's for the end. Um, Peter, for your question, um, run through it. In your experience, uh, what are some of the skills and tasks that are commonly perceived as difficult uh, when moving from founder to employee? Um, But I suppose on the flip side of that, what are some of the skills and tasks that people think that after an easy but end up being quite challenging uh, require a significant amount of time to, to effort and master? It's a pretty self-explanatory question, but tell us where where this came from. Yeah, so essentially, um, I suppose the best thing to say is that um, you have to you have to fail a lot of times in order to learn something. And for me, what was most difficult and what I failed most with was customer interviews and customer discovery calls. Uh, being a tech person and someone who is okay uh, with staring at a, a screen and letters for like 10, 12 hours a day. Um, it was apparent that um, talking to people seven hours a day has been has, has taken a toll on uh, on everything. And I remember uh, very well trying to 
clearer and trying to, to focus and trying to get more information out of people and better quality information. However, it was just something that, that was um, so hard for me to grasp. So I, I thought perhaps I'd ask this to Tua and, and say like, uh, in your experience, what was something that, that you found exceptionally challenging? Although, you know, Y Combinator has a 20-minute video explaining the ins and outs of it. <laughs> I think, uh, thanks Peter for the question. I think it's a great question. Um, I think the most difficult skills that I've uh, encountered uh, throughout the years is being able to focus my time. Because as, as a founder, you can find a problem every minute. Um, and you're stubborn and you're proud of your business, so you want to solve it. Um, also, the legal disciplines uh, are, can be quite challenging. Um, and, uh, and and I think actually, hopefully, we all come to a a, a a moment in time where we have to say no to clients, we have to say no to yeah. projects, and that yes. can be difficult as well because you again you're proud of what you're doing, you're proud of that people are contacting you, but it could be very difficult to say no. So what I've done is I've kind of uh, turned it around, and instead of uh, Instead of knocking myself uh, uh, in the head because I, have, uh, I, I I do not say no, I have this notion that I'm too good to say yes. Mm-hmm. Um, because the other way around is kind of a negative uh, description of yourself that you're not able to say no. Well, we, maybe you're too good to say yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, yeah. That's the challenging and also keeping track of new trends. I think it can be very time consuming to find out, find the newest frameworks, the newest uh, artificial intelligence is the hardest topic around uh, the industry these these days. And the last thing I would mention about the most difficult skills I've encountered is uh, networking because it's so time consuming. um, And also requires a very extrovert personality. Uh, Cannot like uh, you're just saying so many things uh, out loud that I didn't know I thought. <laughs> Especially, I love the phrasing, by the way, that um, uh, you're too good to say yes. Uh, it's hit home. Um, and uh, we are just at the phase where we've been at it for some time. We are testing it. The the uh, requirements are, and the, the requests are starting to come in from clients. And uh, uh, it's, it's really challenging to to create an assessment on what to build and which features to prioritize on, especially with the ever so constant changing in in the tech world. Perhaps if I make a feature now in a week, um, some other company might have released a plug and play feature that I could have used. And so where do you want to take your bets? Um, Other than that, as well as you mentioned, um, um, your last point was, uh, sorry, I forgot, can you please remind me? Uh, with networking, you know. Yes, time. exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, exactly. Sorry about it. Uh, I've, I've come much to the same conclusions. It's It's been, uh, especially for, for my business partner, Oscar, he is an uh, you know, extremely extroverted guy, and I'm his direct opposite. So he's always nudging me to go to events, and I'm always trying to stay home and write some more code and implement more features. But the more I do it, the more I realize that um, there's a substantial value to be gained uh, from networking. Mm-hmm. But the challenge is there's no way to to, to, to even guess the, the probability of uh, how likely it is that I'm going to meet someone interesting. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. It's such a challenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I think that the the key is to map out the capabilities of each founder. Um, who does the client interviews, the sales meetings, and so on, and who does the coding, the economic part of it. Uh, I think it's important. Uh, one of my favorite teachers uh, in the university gathered us all around, all the students around the first day, and told us, listen, guys, you're not going to be able to master all of the topics throughout the years. Focus on the things that you are really keen on and good at, and just, you know, get a sound uh, uh, grade on the rest of the topics. Uh, but we are living in this perfect, uh, we want to be a perfect, uh, a perfect, the perfect culture. Everyone has to do the perfect coding, there has to be perfect design, and so on. Uh, and I think we have to, uh, to, 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 to get rid of this perfect uh, uh, notion, because uh, it ruins people and it ruins businesses. And also my last point, Peter, which is actually very important for me, in my experience, uh, businesses invest in human beings. Yeah. They don't. They don't invest in your perfect code. So, so the more authentic you dare to be uh, towards clients and in your business, the more uh, businesses will invest actually in your uh, product or, or software or whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, with regards to that, I completely agree, and, and I would just like like to put in uh, a small Hungarian adage that we have. In Hungary, we have a point system in universities going one to five, and one, you fail, two, you pass. As such, students often say that uh, two is the best grade you can possibly get, but five is the prettiest. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel that very much in a startup life as well. The perfect thing to build is what's just good enough. <sighs> That's kind of philosoph philosophic, right? I mean, it starts to become, though, I want to sway away from that just for the sake of the listeners, though I would love to, to chat more about some deeper topics, but I suppose that's uh, less of a value. I love that. I might have to put that out quoted when we uh, release the podcast. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Fantastic, guys. And I suppose on the, the flip side of um, the second part of the question, looking at tasks that you thought were quite suppose difficult but actually when you got into them um proved quite easy or quite something you're able to take up what what do you guys think on that side yeah um with regards to that uh something that was actually really easy once i going to handle it was fundraising i feel um there's just like so many opportunities and investors and uh, even soft funding uh, especially in the nordics like yeah, if you live in denmark for sure in a fund and in a booster uh, all these uh, I believe they are in Norway as well. Uh, so many opportunities to to get some starting capital. Uh, I don't know how it is raising seed and above that, since we are just not there yet. But to get started, it seems to me that it was uh, much, much easier um, to raise than, than it was made out to be. It was this big, grandiose peak on the uh, top of Titan, but in, in reality, it's just uh, complying with five bullet points that the investors... Uh, uh, unknowingly having that. Yeah, um, so, sounds uh, sounds right. Uh, I've never been uh, raising money myself, uh, so oh. I haven't got I haven't got that experience. But some someday maybe I will. <laughs> um, I would like to add to that that uh, in in my experience, uh, I think that I'm um, I, I'm uh, thrilled about that the internet ha uh, has helped me, me and my brother so much in so many ways throughout the years that 
there's always some guy on the other uh, end of the uh, the street that has got the same problem as yourself. Yes. Uh, whether it be, uh, be, be a code problem, maybe it's human resources, maybe it's a client uh, issue. Uh, there's always someone there out there to help you. And you just have to reach out. Uh, and that's a capability that's uh, you have to have as a founder, the, the, the ability to reach out uh, to, to get help. Uh, and some of us are stubborn and, and too proud to do it. But if you dare to do it, you can really get some uh, great advice. Uh, and it, and it, it's, it's free. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And it kind of surprised me as well how um, uh, perhaps this is more props to, to Oscar than I, because uh, he was the uh, one primarily gathering our initial customers. But uh, it was so so good to see this level of enthusiasm coming from um, from physiotherapists when they tried out our software. It was like, wow, I want to I want to give you feedback, right? It was such a such a relieving feeling that hey, they not only want it, they are willing to give their time for free to me. Yeah. It, it was just an astonishing from me. And uh, yeah, shout out to Oscar and uh, shout out to Matthew from NHS. He spent a lot of time with I love that. Oh, guys, Peter, before we go on to Damon's question, I love that. Um, you managed to uncover some great things from, from two very vastly different experiences there as well. Um, you mentioned a hot topic already to uh, is around uh, staying up to date with AI and the current topics since what we've got a bit of time extra with Damien not being here, I'd love to explore how AI is going to continue to help smaller, um, in your case, you know, two-man bands uh, in companies to, to automate a lot more. Will that allow you to scale? Uh, and Peter, I know with, with yours being automated um, with the physiotherapy side of things, has that really allowed you to, to, I suppose, move into this? It's interested to find out a bit more. Yeah, so for us, it's, uh, well, the best value that I can say is that I think um, AI and the level of change and the turbulence that is in, in software right now, I think is greatly benefiting potential founders and future founders, especially because um, because in a startup, you only have to get one yes, right? While from um, pro if you work at IBM, you have to get like what? 20 yeses from all the managers and all the people. So with this constant shift of tools, if you're a founder and you can string three different tools together, suddenly you can create create a cool business. Um, with that being said, I also, yeah, uh, it definitely has enabled us to 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 not just have it as a, a um, kind of shed business or a garage business, but to actually make it venture scale. So with that, I, I think, yes, we are piggybacking uh, on all the AI innovation. And we have basically strung together 20 different tools that uh, make it work. Sounds great, Peter. Uh, we are, myself, we are laying the first bricks uh, implementing AI from scratch in uh, in our uh, software as a service platform, which mm -hmm. is uh, supposed to, to hit the market this August. Uh, fingers crossed. Uh, I think uh, that, the, that the most important, as you also mentioned, is that you have to utilize um, AI in a way that brings value, either to your product or to your customers, uh, because AI can be a buzzword if it's just there as a feature, uh, but if it doesn't get used to anything that brings value, it's just, you know, icing on the cake and, yeah. and your customers will disappear. Um, but but the, in AI, I think there the lies a, 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 a 
bunch of opportunities and i think it has a room for us all i don't think that uh, ai will will diminish the need for human beings uh but it can uh, optimize and reduce costs in a way that that we haven't seen before completely agree with you and um i, I think much the same way thanks guys i suppose on to damien's question now uh kind of covered some of it but i'm still interested uh, in finding out a bit more he wanted to know what surprised you most on the way of the journey from employee to founder comparing to your biggest fears when starting the adventure um and to i think we'll start with you on this one mate yeah uh i was kind of uh, shocked uh on how much it takes to generate a cash flow uh, the monthly revenue uh, recurring revenue um it's a lot of invoices you have to send to your customers uh and in the beginning uh you know you're living on pasta and ketchup uh, then at some point you have this turning turning point, uh, some point in time when it uh, starts to become more fun uh, money-wise. Uh, but for me, it has never been the money that has uh, driven my motivation on being a founder. It's more uh, the work-life balance, as I mentioned earlier. Um, and another thing that has uh, been mind-boggling for me is that your mind is always busy with your company so so it can easily become intrusive uh, in your life and i think that that you mentioned that too peter i i i mean uh, as i said it was a bit calculated from my side but yes i i remember having vivid dreams about the future of the company yeah <laughs> literally at night i i couldn't stop myself thinking about it because it, it was it was kind of my life at that point it, yeah um yeah from my side what surprised me is um uh, i think the biggest one was funding and like it's uh um perhaps it's easy for me to say because i guess i could have been lucky but i still um uh, i still think that the adage seek and you shall find is very much true in this regard um and the other uh, other surprise i had was um about customers and the people and uh how i wouldn't say easy but how open-minded um most of our initial adopters are, and uh, how uh, how it how how easy it is to sit down with someone and have a conversation after you presented a potential solution to their problem. Uh, for, for us, it's been at, at least for me, it's been amazing, uh, especially with, uh, with Matthew, Adrian, and some of the other early adopters. But do you think, Peter, that that it's also because that you that that people can can feel your enthusiasm about what you're doing? Because I think if you if you come as a dead fish, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I can see that. I can see that. Um, I I can agree that yes, it, it might have some point with it, and as well as I've been grinding uh, how to talk to people and customer discovery books for the past half a year, so that might play a role. But still, it's some the response from the general market or from physiotherapists and the people has been just thoroughly astonishing really uh and I, I cannot put it towards how shocked and surprised i am with uh, all this positive response and it, it really wakes me up in the morning it says the same when you travel the world right that that yeah. you can be a start of sun that that people are so kind exactly exactly uh, uh it's, it's the the feeling of asking a stranger on the street for directions yeah. somewhere in london and then they are so pleasant uh, so easygoing, and and uh, then they wish you a lovely day after helping you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I'm also uh, boggled about how difficult it is to handle client tasks uh, from product specifications to handing over the final product. Um, and, and moreover, how important it is to, to do a product specifications document with the clients to avoid disagreements in the end. Because in my experience, if you just talk about something and you don't write it down, you end up disagreeing in the end. Um, yeah, to add to that as well, we have some operational, uh, I wouldn't say problems, more like issues. And I feel what you say as well, that um, uh, come to think of it, it was another surprise of mine having come from a Trustpilot IBM background where um, all the processes and all the um, all the pipelines are quite rigid and are there. However, at a startup, you are quite fluid and, and agile. Uh, however, as my friend likes to put it, um, as my friend likes to put it, there's a slim difference between fragile and agile. For sure. uh, as such, uh, for us as well, it's, perhaps we touched briefly upon it. It's difficult to to um, it's a difficult difficult decision on what to prioritize. Yeah, and actually, Peter, I've, I've uh, I completely agree with you. Uh, I think that's a great uh, red sentence there. Uh, fragile can be agile. Uh, and the other way around, I think the, the trend, speaking of trends uh, in the, the industry, is that agile doesn't work. It's just a buzzword. Uh, because what is agility? And with making software, being in a war room, uh, I was uh, doing many war rooms uh, in the old days, uh, and it didn't work. Mm -hmm. I, I see. Uh, I I have much of the same thought as well. In agile, I feel like some of the employees of a potential corporation have different um, motivations than a project manager, so to say, or mm -hmm, else, mm -hmm. um, if you catch what I'm trying to imply. Yeah, I hate Jira. I can't stand it. But oh, a, no, product, no. a product yeah. manager, of course, loves Jira. That no. makes sense. Yeah. Um, other than that, uh, I wanted to ask you um, um, to a, um, one of the bigger um, issues I see looming inside uh, of my head or above it is um, the notion of building a team and building a good team who's motivated and, and uh, kind of sworn to the company a bit. So what's your experience and like how to hire, how to manage, right? Well, Peter, you asked me a question that I actually can't answer because <laughs> yeah, I, I'm... Uh, I'm uh, um, in our company, it's only me and my brother, and we have kept it this way for 10 years because uh, the past 10 years, uh, our children have been uh, younger, you know, the yeah. babies, and we want to spend our time with them instead of growing a big business. Yeah. Uh, we are ready now to kind of hit the uh, the speeder and, and just go out there. But uh, I'm against growing. I'm not against growing, but growth, value growth. We're always talking about growth. Mm -hmm. Why? Why must everything grow? <laughs> why can't things just be the same? Yeah. Uh, so it will take some time before I can answer a question because I'm going to go there sometimes with my company, where when uh, where we're going to hire some people and so on, and then maybe we can do a podcast then. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, you'll be. Uh, I hope you will hit us up. Yeah, I will. We can make that happen. Not a problem. Yeah, I know, Seth. You cut on the developers. I love that. Well, guys, um, before we kind of round off the podcast, I'd love to know, because hopefully the people listening to this today are either people thinking about making the journey from the employee to founder or are already underway. 
what would be your biggest piece of advice for them um, if they haven't done already or whether they're going through it? And Peter, I'll come to you first on this one. Um, I think my biggest advice is kind of set down your goals and why you're building a company and what you're trying to build. And if it's for the sake of building a company, then definitely think about who your customers shall be, not as opposed to what problems you or anyone might experience. From my experience, it was much, much better to say, okay, I would like our customers to be this group of people or that group of people and start going there and start asking questions rather than trying to ponder in the room and come up with potential problems. Fantastic. And Tua, over to you. I'll make it very brief. Uh, I would say be authentic and uh, dare to fail because you will inevitably fail at some point. And be, be glad that you failed. Yeah. Yeah. I Fantastic. There's going to be so many cutouts of this podcast we'll be able to put uh, on there. Some some great quotes coming out today. <laughs> really is. Well, thank you, guys. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank Tua, to thank Peter uh, for, for carrying the podcast today and, and really providing excellent insights uh, into the topic. Hopefully, we can do that extension of the podcast when both Peter and Tua have got some themes um, and we'll go from there. But if you would like to get involved with one of the upcoming podcasts, um, it's a great way to network as, as these guys have made very clear uh, is important. You can reach out to me on LinkedIn or via email at sam.williamson at evolution-nordics.com. See you next time.